You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. Take your Bible and just open it to the book of Proverbs. If all of God's people would embrace the truth of that song and just remember in our hearts and minds the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us. We would not be dealing with rebellion within our families, nor would we play the fool, much less be a scorner, which we're going to be looking at here this evening as we continue our study on the families. So let me come down there and join you. A couple weeks ago, we looked at dealing with a rebel. Last week, we talked about dealing with the fool. And oh, how the Bible talks about both of those individuals. And tonight, we're going to talk about the scorner. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we come before you this evening, you have given us so much information and insight and instruction in your word concerning the scorner. The scorner concerns you, and the scorner should concern us as well. Thank you for your love and your compassion and also your chastisement upon the scorner, bringing him and her back to a loving relationship with you. And so, Lord, we commit this evening to you and ask you to bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm so glad you're all here tonight because if you weren't here, there'd hardly be anyone here. So, glad you're here tonight. And uh, this is a very, very important lesson that uh, I will be sharing with you this evening, and I really want you to get a hold of it. Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1. Probably many of you have that entire chapter memorized. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way, he's not in the way with sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now what does that mean, that you sit in the seat with the scornful? It simply means that you sit down and you fellowship with a scorning person. You have linked yourself up with them. We're going to find out tonight that anyone that is a scorner, we should have nothing to do with them, period. So the Lord has quite a harsh word of exhortation concerning the scorner. Last week we looked at the fool. Proverbs 12, verse 15 says, The way of the fool is what? It is right in his own eyes. He is always right. Everyone else is always wrong. And so he will not listen to instruction. But the fool that progresses in his foolishness will eventually turn into, will eventually turn in to a scorner. So he's taken another step downward in his spiritual life. How long, ye simple ones, the word simple means naive, ignorant, or if you want to substitute the word stupid, that's fine too. How long will ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorner 
delight in his what? So what do scorners delight in? They delight in scorning. The Bible makes that very clear. It's like it's a big joke to them. It's, it's like a sport to them to scorn other individuals. And the scorner delight in his scorning, and fools hate knowledge. So we certainly do not want to progress from the level of a fool downward to the level of a scorner. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about the scorner. I'm going to throw a few verses of Scripture up there for you. It says, Wherefore, hear ye the word of the Lord, ye scornful men. So God wants all of those who are scorners to what? Listen up. Listen to what God's word has to say to you about your scorning. Now, the good chance is they're not going to listen, right? If a fool won't listen, there's a good chance a scorner isn't going to listen either. But God does give them the opportunity to tune in to what he has to say concerning them. Psalm 123 and verse 4 says, Our soul is exceeding filled with scorning of those that are at ease. The idea they're lazy, they're slothful. And with the contempt, the disrespect of the proud. So a couple characteristics that we see there of a scorning person. Many of them are very lazy and very slothful. We also see that they are very disrespectful and prideful. The Bible said in Proverbs 29 and verse 8, scornful men bring a city, what? And snare. Snares the entire, listen, you can see the effect of a scornful person literally on an entire city. How much more on a family? How much more on a church? Let's keep going. He that reproveth a scorner, you try to correct them, getteth to himself shame. Why is it a shame to try to reprove and correct a scorner? What will they do? They'll mock you. They'll throw it right back at you. Okay? Remember that they have fun in doing that. It's their sport to do that. He that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blast. So the wicked man and the scorner put right there into the same category. Proverbs 9, verse 8, Reprove not a scorner, lest he what? Hate thee. What do scorners hate? Someone correcting them. They hate it. They hate that person that tries to correct them. Rebuke a wise man, and he will, he will love thee. Okay. Proverbs 13, verse 1, A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. Will not listen to dad. Proverbs 14, verse 6, A scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it what? Why can't a scorner find wisdom? Because he's wise in his own conceit or in his own eyes. Hey guys, I'm locked up. What are you doing up there to me? Those guys wield a lot of power up there, you know that? 
Actually, it's the only way they get acknowledged is when they do something to my PowerPoint. And say, Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Must be like the sound room, too. They don't get any attention unless something goes wrong. Then they get lots of attention. A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. Doesn't want to hang around wise individuals. He literally will separate himself from them. When the scorner is punished, the simple is made wise. Those who are naive are made wise. And when the wise is instructed, he receiveth knowledge. Proud and haughty scorner is his what? That's his name. So, someone who has that type of spirit, they are proud, they are haughty, and uh, God says that's their name. Now, Proverbs 22 and verse 10. Let's say this together. I think this is a really key verse. Ready? Here we go. Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. What does a scorner cause in a family? What do they cause? Causes strife, causes contention, causes a reproach. Really stirs everyone up, right? So what does the Bible tell us to do with the scorner? Does it tell us to try to correct a scorner? No. Why? Because they'll throw it right back in your face. What does the Bible tell us to do to someone who really has entered into the stage of scorning? That, that, that is what they are. They are a scorner. Not that maybe occasionally they will scorn, but they are a scorner. Okay? Just characteristic of them. What does the Bible tell us to do? Hit the road, Jack. Otherwise, they will be disrupting the entire family. Is that also true in the church? What does the Bible tell us to do to a scorner who is in the church? Well, we'll find out here a little bit later. The scorner is a what? It's an abomination to men. Surely he, talking about God, scorneth the what? What you sow, you will what? God will turn it right back upon you. And then Proverbs 19, verse 29 says, Judgments are prepared for who? The scorners. God has prepared judgment for those who scorn. Now, can you believe what God says he will do to the scorner? You better believe it and you better mark it down. And if you are a scorner, it should put the fear of God into you. Isaiah 29 and verse 20, it says, For the terrible one is brought to naught, and the scorner is consumed, and all that uh, watch for iniquity are cut off. Once again, talking about God's judgment upon the scorner. Now, I remember that last week, when we were in the book of Proverbs, looking at the fool, God gave us a test in the book of Proverbs that we could judge ourselves. We could literally use it as a standard by which to say, yes, I am a fool, or no, I'm not. The same thing is here for the scorner. God gives us a test in the book of Proverbs. Are you all ready to take the test? All right. I don't see we have any scorners here tonight, so you all should pass. All the scorners heard what I was going to preach on tonight, and they decided not to come. So let's look at the definition of the scorner given to us in the book of Proverbs. He's one who expresses feelings of contempt 
or disdain through their words, but also through their what? Actions. Their actions can be scorning actions. One who mocks or scoffs, Jim mentioned this, one who mocks or scoffs at God and religion. A person who expresses contempt by remarks or facial expressions. To consider or treat others as contemptible or unworthy. Contempt or disdain felt towards a person in what? Authority. They despise authorities. The expression of such an attitude in behavior and also in speech. Now you notice that the word contempt appeared several times in this little test that we have in the book of Proverbs. The word contempt is an intense feeling or attitude of regarding someone or something else as inferior, base, or worthless. What is it that has really filled the heart of the scorner? What, what is behind it all? Pride. Okay? They have so lifted themselves up in their own wisdom, in their own understanding, in their exaltation of themselves, that they look down on others. Ridicule, cause disdain and contempt, uh, not only in the way they will look at someone, especially in authority, but the things that they will say. I think these pictures that you see right there express a thousand words. The description of a scorner in the book of Proverbs. So more than any other book in the Bible, uh, Proverbs deals <clears throat> with the scorner. So if we want to know about the scorner, then we need to look into the Proverbs. The book of Proverbs describes the nature of a scorner, just as it described the nature of a fool and the nature of the rebel. It describes the nature of a scorner. So let's see what it says. First of all, they are what? They are proud. Second, a scorner will, re will reject instruction and also reject rebuke. They walk after their own lust. They're unable, they're unable to or comprehend sound wisdom. They mock God, they mock God's word, they mock God's ways, and they mock God's judgments. Pretty serious, huh? Do they believe that God is going to judge them for their scorning? They don't believe it until it happens. They laugh at sacred and spiritual and serious matters. They delight in their scorning. It is a shame to his, they are ashamed to their father, and they are a grief to their mother. They cause contention and strife. And the Bible says they despise instruction. So think about that, and as you think about that, let me ask you a question. Is there anyone here who, as we read through those definitions, would say, you know what, I know someone that definitely fits into the majority of those definitions. Guys, I just see your hand if you know someone like that. Okay. As you're thinking about that person that fits into those categories, do you see those persons as as people who are joyful and happy and really blessed in their life. 
I have never met a scorner who is joyful, happy, and blessed. Miserable people to be around. The Bible says they are sensual. Sensual not only meaning immoral, but meaning that they are controlled by their fleshly desires. They are what? They are greedy. They are bitter. They are rebellious towards authority. They are known as a... Here's something I think it's very, very important for us to remember about someone who's entered in... Now recognize that is a scornful person. If you're dealing with someone who is a scorner, what you have to do is put God's word for clear direction on how to deal with them. Okay? We cannot leave it up to our own wisdom or even receiving the counsel of others. We have to go to how does the word of God tell us to deal with a scorner. Before we go to the next point, I want to say this. For all you that have the gift of mercy, you can be the greatest stumbling block to a scorner coming back to the Lord than anyone else within the body of Christ. Because what we're going to find out here, and what we've already seen, is that someone who is a mercy will actually thwart the discipline of the Lord upon a scorner. And they do this because they love the scorner. But they actually get in the way of what God is trying to do in chastising that scorner and bringing that scorner back to himself. You may remember last week when we talked about the fool. What did the Bible tell us to do? Draw close to a fool or separate? The Bible said to separate from a fool. The Bible told us not to support a fool, not to enable a fool. It wasn't until the prodigal son came to the very end of himself that he came to himself and was able to come back to his senses and return home repentant. There was no one there to bail him out of the pig pen. I think if there would have been someone there, then he would have stayed in the world much longer than he was. So... You have to be very careful. On the other hand, a prophet could completely drive a scorner away so he feels like he never could come back to the Lord. So we, we, ha- we have to be very careful in how we deal with the scorner and deal with them as God would have us deal with them. If a scorner is to be corrected, then we have to follow God's method of correction, which... Lord willing, will lead to the restitution of that scorner. So let's look at how the Lord has told us to deal with a scorner. First of all, and this, this is where we all like to be in control, don't we? We all like to think, are you still with me tonight? We all like to think that there's, there's something we can do. Or there's something that we have to do. Or there's something that we should do to try to bring that scorner uh, back to the Lord. But I believe what we need to realize is there's nothing in our own wisdom. There's nothing in our own power. There's nothing through our own efforts that will change the heart of a scorner. 
You cannot do it. I cannot do it. No amount of preaching will do it. Sometimes we think if we could just get that scorner into church and under good preaching, then they'll get convicted and they'll get right with God. And that's always our hope. If we can just send them to Bible camp, then maybe at Bible camp they'll give their life over to the Lord. Or maybe in this next youth rally, God will get a hold of their heart. You know, we always, especially if you're a parent, you always have that hope that this next thing is the thing that's really going to bring them back to God. But listen, if a scorner is ever going to turn around and come back to God, it's God that's going to do the work. And so, I don't want to say this in a wrong way to give you the wrong idea, but it's kind of like we have to wash our hands of it. And we have to just turn the scorner over to God and then use the most effective weapon that we have, and that's prayer. Now, I know, we all, I mean, again, I'm with you. We all want to do something or think we have to do something. But that's not what God tells us. Let's see what it says here. He that reproveth the scorner getteth to himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth to himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner. There's nothing you can do. Reprove not a scorner lest he hate thee. So as you try to reprove someone who's a scorner, it'll actually do what? It'll drive them deeper into their scorning. The exact thing that you're trying to keep from happening will happen. Why? Because their heart is so full of pride. Lest he hate thee, rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. So it's, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to have a child who's a scorner or have a grandchild that's a scorner or someone in your church that becomes a scorner within the family of God. It's, it's heartbreaking at work. Some of you work with them every day. It's just heartbreaking uh, to have to deal with them on a continual basis. But remember, listen, there's nothing you can do. And let me also say this. It's probably not your fault either. How many people have beat themselves up and said, must be my fault. It must be something that I have done that have turned them into a scorner. No. When they stand before God, they are going to give an account of their scorning to him, and they're not going to blame it on anyone else. Amen, preacher. So what must we do biblically? We must separate. If there's nothing that we can do, to turn the heart of a scorner. Remember, there was, there was something you could do to turn the heart of a rebel. There was something you could do to turn the heart of a fool. But when they get to this stage, there's nothing you can do to turn their heart. The Bible says you need to separate from them. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and that law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now let's finish. The what? Ungodly. Who, do, who is that ungodly person? It's the scorner mentioned up in the earlier verses. The ungodly. So let's substitute. I don't think this is a wrong substitution here. The scorners are not so. 
but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Who is in control of the wind? God is. So there's nothing we can do. We separate from the scorner just as the the wheat berry is separated from the chaff. And then the Bible says the wind that God is in control of driveth it what? Driveth it away. God takes over. Cast out. We separate ourselves. We cast out the scorner and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach will what? Cease. Cease. As you have to sometimes come to the place where the scorner is cast out, one of the best ways to do it is to give the scorner an option. Okay? These are the rules. These rules are not going to change. If you're going to be a part of this family, then you need to adhere to these rules. And if you cannot adhere to these rules, then understand this. You're making the choice. Are you with me, church? You're making the choice. You are literally casting yourself out. That is a good way to do it. All right? Because then they're making the choice. I can't do that. I can't live by those rules. We're not going to compromise. Amen? We're not going to come down to the level of the scorner. And many times what you will find as that scorner leaves, the relationship will literally improve with the scorner. You want to know why? Because you're not living under the constant contention and strife that that scorner is bringing into the home. And you're able to release that and turn that over to the Lord and then let the Lord take care of it. Cast the scorner out and contention and strife and reproach shall cease. The next thing that you can do, you can separate, you can cast out the scorner. The next thing, we have the powerful weapon of what? We have the powerful weapon that God has given us in prayer. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray. I can't hear you, what? Pray without, whoa. If there's one thing we need to do for the scorner, we need to constantly keep them in our prayers. There is more power in prayer than we know. And we have to rely upon this. When it comes to dealing with the scorner, pray for them without ceasing. Whenever God brings them to your mind, pray for them. Pray for their repentance. Pray for them to respond to God's judgment. Pray that God will bring them to the pig pen. Pray that no one will bail them out of the pig pen. Okay? Constantly pray for the scorner. Luke 18. Someone tell me what Luke 18, verse 1 through verse 7 talks about. The picture should help you. Does anybody remember? The widow and the unjust judge or the unrighteous judge. What did she keep doing in order to get her request answered? She kept coming. She just persistently kept coming to the judge until he said, you weary me, woman. What do you want? And she told him what 
she wanted. He said, okay, I grant it to you. Get out of here. Now, the Lord's not like that unjust judge. He is a just judge. But he used that as an example of us continually coming to him with our request. So, church family, let's not minimize the power of prayer when it comes to praying over the scorner. So what are the three things we have so far? What are we going to do? We're going to separate the wheat from the chaff. We're going to separate from the scorner. What's the next thing we're going to do? We're going to cast them out. We can even let them make the choice if they will. We're going to cast them out. Next thing we're going to do is what? We are going to fervently pray and we're not going to stop praying until that scorner comes back to the Lord. We have to turn them over to the Lord. Is this what the prodigal son's father did? Completely turned his son over to the Lord. Did he have the resources to search after his son, to find his son, and to finance his return home? Yes or no? Sure. Now, he didn't have the ability to stay in contact with his son like we do today. But he surely had the resources to do it. He was a wealthy man. He could have sent some one of his servants to watch over his son just to make sure he didn't get in trouble. But he didn't do that either. He turned him over to the Lord, and every day he prayed, and every day he went and looked down the road and did what? What did he do? Watching for his son to come home. Praying and watching for his son to come home. Maybe today. Aren't you thankful God put that story in the Bible? Watching for his son to come home. Isn't it interesting that the Bible never tells us how long it took? The Bible doesn't tell us it took six months or it took six years. The Bible just said eventually he came to himself and he came home. Keep it up, church family. Turn them over to God. Second Chronicles 36, verse 16, it says, But they mocked the messengers of God, just like a scoffer would do, and despised his words and misused his prophets or his preachers. Now watch this. Until the wrath of what? The Lord. You only push the Lord so far. Until the wrath of the Lord rose up against his people till there was no remedy. There was no way out. God's judgment had come. Psalms 107, verse 11 through verse 15. Because they rebelled against the word of God and rejected the counsel of the Most High, therefore he brought down their heart with what? Labor. He brought down their heart with labor. Remember one of the characteristics of a scorner is they didn't want to work. Remember that? They're kind of lazy and slothful. So man, he brought them down with labor. They fell down. Now watch this. I underline this. There was none to what? Help. Sometimes we think we're helping, but we are not helping. We have to get this. 
and there was none to help. Then, then they did what? They cried. Why? Because there was no one else to help them. They'd come to the end of themselves. They're at the end of their rope. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. This is how you deal with a scorner. Proverbs chapter 1. A lot of verses here. Please follow. Give me your heart as I read these. Read them along with me. How long, ye simple ones, you naive ones, you foolish ones, will ye love simplicity and the scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge? Turn you at my reproofs. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Does the Lord want the fool and the scorner to come back? Yeah, and they can. They can come back and they can be restored. He said, and I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but ye have said it not. All my counsel rejected God's counsel. And would none of my reproofs. Now, now listen to this. Does this sound like our God? I also will laugh at your what? I will laugh at your calamity. You backed yourself into this corner. Why did calamity come upon them? Because they, their decision, they had rejected the counsel of the Lord. They rejected the word of the Lord. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me. Now listen, but I will not what? Now be honest with me. Does that sound like God? Yes or no? Mm -mm. What is God doing here? He's bringing them to complete humility and brokenness. He's bringing them to a place to where we're never going back there again. Then shall they call upon me, and I will not answer. They shall seek early, but they shall not find me. For they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Remember, the fear of the Lord is to depart from evil. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproofs. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way. Is this what you call force feeding? God is force feeding them to eat the very wickedness that they had sown in their lives and the consequences of it. Sin has consequences. Now, do you, do you enjoy seeing someone suffer the consequences of their sin? I don't. Do you want to see your children suffer the consequences of their sin? I don't. Do you want to see a church member suffer the con I don't. But there are cases when God says they have to. They're so stubborn. They're so strong-willed. The only way to break that hard heart is for them to suffer those consequences. 
Then he goes on. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. Question. Does God know how to deal with the scorner? Does he know how to deal with the scorner and bring a scorner to repentance better than we do? So let's let him do it. Let's just kind of step out of God's way, turn that do what God said, separate, cast out, pray, 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 pray. Turn them over to the Lord. Proverbs 3, verse 34, Surely he scorneth the scorners. Proverbs 9, verse 12. If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself. But if thou scornest, thou alone shall what? Isn't it interesting how God says over and over again, leave the scorner alone. Alone, alone. Separate, separate. Withdraw yourself. Just constantly repeats that. Why do you think God continues to repeat that? Why? Because it's the only thing we can do. And it's what must be done. Proverbs 19. He that wasteth his father and chaseth away his mother is a son that causes shame and bringeth reproach. Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth thee to err from the words of knowledge. An ungodly witness scorneth judgment. So even as God's judgment begins to come down upon the scorner, what does he do? What does he do? He scorns it. That's why God has to bring him to the very end of himself. And the mouth of the wicked devoureth iniquity. Judgments are prepared for scorners. Now, what about the church? If we have scorners in our church, should we just allow them to continue to scorn? No. No, we can't. This is where the Bible teaches us about church discipline. Now, over my 36 years in ministry, we've had to discipline on several different occasions. I will tell you this, however. In the cases that we've had to discipline, there's been more cases that we should have disciplined, but the person just took off. Won't even submit to, I mean, just left the fellowship instead of facing the discipline. That'll really break your heart because there is a purpose for which God has given us church discipline for. In order for a church to be sanctified and fit for the master's use, church discipline has to be exercised when dealing with members who have become unrepentant scorners, who just scorn, scorn, scorn. Okay? So the following principles have to be understood and have to be applied if discipline in the church is going to be effective. So let's see what God says. First of all, church discipline must always be done in a spirit of what? 
Why do we discipline? Why do we discipline our kids? What? All right, why do we have discipline in the church? Because we love our members. Okay? Number two, church discipline must always be done for the purpose of what? Restoration. Last thing you want to do is dismiss them. You want that church discipline to be effective and for uh, there to be a restoration of them into the fellowship. Number three, church discipline must be done for the purification and protection of the body. There are some things God says, God, if they won't repent, it's going to have to go because they'll influence others. A little leaven, what? Leaveneth the whole lump. Church discipline must be done to produce a fear of the Lord. A fear of the Lord in who? All of us. Right? Number five, church discipline must be done to cause the unrepentant to be ashamed and sorrowful over their sin. The Bible says they should be ashamed. And church, church discipline should be, bring shame upon them. It says, For behold, this selfsame thing, what, uh, that ye sorrowed, this is talking about discipline that had come upon a church member, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, what clearing of yourselves, a clearing of their conscience, yea, what indignation, not indignation against someone else, but against sin. Yea, what fear, the fear of the Lord, what vehement desire now to do what is right. Yea, what zeal or passion for the Lord. Yea, what revenge, making right the wrongs. Now here's, listen, this is a person that's really come to what? This person has really come to repentance. I mean, they're getting right across the board. In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. So this is what church discipline should result in. Church discipline must be done for the following reasons. God lays out various reasons why church discipline should be exercised. Scorning. Scorners should be disciplined. Immorality. Should we allow immorality in the church? False doctrine. Yes or no? Can't allow false doctrine in the church. Someone just has an argumentative spirit. No, can't allow that. Someone who is rebellious. Someone who sows discord. Someone who leads others astray. Drunkenness. We can't let a church member come in here drunk all the time. Someone who's just outright disobedient. Unruly is the word in the Bible. Insubordinate. Undisciplined. Someone who is an extortioner. I mean, someone who's a thief. Someone who is lazy and refused to work. Oh boy, that empties some of our churches. You believe that? God says someone who's lazy will not work out of the church. We wouldn't, even, we wouldn't even think about this as a sin of discipline, would we? Would we, yes or no? Someone who is an idolater, someone who is a railer, I mean, someone who is speaks uh, bitterly, reproachfully, 
who complains violently all the time. The Bible said these are the individuals that need to go. They will not repent. They need to go because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Church discipline must, must be exercised according to biblical method. And that's laid out for us clearly there by the Lord Jesus in chapter 18. So what's the first thing you do? You go to that person, you tell him his fault between you and him alone. All right? Step number one. Does that usually resolve the problem? I think usually it does. Does it say go to the pastor and tell him that person's fault? What does it say? Go to that person and tell that person their fault. To you, you and him alone. Second, if they will not listen to you, if they will not repent of their sin, what's the next thing you do? Take a witness with you. Take two or three. At the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So you take two or three witnesses with you. Uh, who would you suggest to take with you on this step? Probably take the pastor. Probably a good idea to take the pastor. Uh, maybe Ben, you know, especially if it's a younger person, you know, take the youth pastor with you. Another spiritual man in the church, or maybe you'd have to take a spiritual woman if it's a woman that you're dealing with. But listen, you need to take spiritual people with you when you're dealing with this. Don't just grab anyone in the church. Third step, if, if the first step is not effective, if the second step is not effective, what's the third step? You have to bring it to the church. You have to make it public. All right? If they refuse to repent after it's brought to the church, the fourth step, if they neglect to hear the church, let him be as unto thee a heathen man and a publican. This is cast them out. Now, again, most of the time, if someone is unrepentant, they'll run before it ever gets to that fourth step. But I'll tell you what, we've seen a lot of it turn around on the first and second step throughout our years of ministry. We've seen couples who have been immoral that have stood before the church and asked the church's forgiveness. And you know what? What do we do? We forgive them. Okay? It's done. They got the forgiveness of the Lord, forgiveness of the body of Christ. Let's give you some examples, and we'll close with this. <clears throat> some examples in Scripture of church discipline. This is a lengthy one. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, sexual immorality, and such fornication is not so named among the Gentiles. Even unbelievers don't commit this kind of immorality. That one should have his father's what? Incest. So here is a man living with his father's wife. Now I'm assuming it's not his mother. I'm assuming his father has remarried, but now he's living with his stepmom. And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned. When there's sin in the body of Christ, we should all mourn over that sin. That he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already, as though I were present concerning him that hath done this deed, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are come together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one unto Satan, 
For the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. This is heavy duty discipline. This is, this, this is summoning Satan to have free course in this person's life. Do you think this person was, was pretty stuck in their sin right now? That Satan had to be employed. Your glorying is not good. You say, how could the church glory over something? Well, we're just a loving church. We just accept everybody. We're non-judgmental here. Does that sound like the contemporary church today? He says, purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Now, now, watch this. I wrote unto you in an epistle, in, a, in an earlier letter, not to have company with fornicators, those who are sexually moral. Not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then you must needs go out of the world. If we say we're not going to rub shoulders with the sinful, then we better check out of this world because there's sinful people we rub shoulders with every day. But they're not believers. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or idolater or a railer or a drunkard or extortioner. Remember those things that are to be disciplined in the church? With such a one, not to what? Eat. And this is what I tried to emphasize even last week when it came to the fool. If you know someone is playing the fool, and especially if you know someone is playing the scorner, you don't go up and act like everything's okay. Church, it's not okay. They need to be confronted with their sin. You need to let them know that you're praying for their repentance. You just don't carry on and hang out with them and act like you always did. Otherwise, you are hindering the work of the Holy Spirit in bringing that person to repentance. For what have I to do to judge them? Verse 12. Also that are without. Do not ye judge them that are within? We don't judge everyone outside of our fellowship, only those that are within. And, and let, me, let me say this. This is why it's important to be a member of the local church. These people say, well, you know what, I... I don't see where membership is in the Bible. Well, there's one place right there. This guy was a member of the church. He wasn't a non-member. You can't discipline non-members. What have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do you not judge them that are within or members of your church? But them that are without, God judges. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Now, we'll get, we'll get back to what happened later here. Here's another one. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the traditions which he hath received of us. Romans 16. But now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. 
they lie. But their lies are very deceptive. And if any man obey not the word of this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be, what's the word? Ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Admonish him. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather, what? Reprove them. I could keep going on and on. Passages and verses that teach this same truth. The ultimate goal is what? Restitution. Restitution. Sufficient unto such a man, this is, this is the man that was living with his mother, stepmother. Evidently, the church did come to the place where they exercise discipline. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment. So we're in chapter 2 Corinthians, chapter 2. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was afflicted of many. So the whole church was involved in this discipline. So that counterwise, ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him. Well, they could only forgive him if he did what? Repented. If they repent, forgive them. So that counterwise, ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with uh, overmuch sorrow. Wherefore, I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him. For to this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgive I it in the person of Christ. Now in the last statement here, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his what? Devices. No matter what a scorner has done, when God is done doing his corrective work and they repent, what do we do? We forgive. We forgive. Otherwise, Satan's going to get a tremendous advantage within the church by having an unforgiving spirit there. I love the altar call because the altar call is a wonderful place for restitution to take place. Amen? What a wonderful thing when you see someone who's been backslidden and away from the Lord come forward and get right with God and get right with others as well. Hope, pray, and trust God for a miracle. Because you know what it takes for a scorner to come back to the Lord? It takes a miracle. It takes a work of the Lord to do that. But God will do it. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening 
at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.